book three part two of pierre or the ambiguities by herman melville this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three this history goes forward and goes backward as occasion calls nimble centre circumference elastic you must have now we return to pierre wending homeward from his reveries beneath the pine-tree his burst of impatience against the sublime italian dante arising from that poet being the one who in a former time had first opened to his shuddering eyes the infinite cliffs and gulfs of human mystery and misery though still more in the way of experimental vision than of sensational presentiment or experience for as yet he had not seen so far and deep as dante and therefore was entirely incompetent to meet the grim bard fairly on his peculiar ground this ignorant burst of his young impatience also arising from that half-contemptuous dislike and sometimes selfish loathing with which either naturally feeble or undeveloped minds regard those dark ravings of the loftier poets which are in eternal opposition to their own fine-spun shallow dreams of rapturous or prudential youth this rash untutored burst of pierre's young impatience seemed to have carried off with it all the other forms of his melancholy if melancholy it had been and left him now serene again and ready for any tranquil pleasantness the gods might have in store for his indeed was true youth's temperament summary with sadness swift to joyfulness and long protracting and detaining with that joyfulness when once it came fully nigh to him as he entered the dining-hall he saw dates retiring from another door with his tray alone and meditative by the bared half of the polished table sat his mother at her dessert fruit-baskets and a decanter were before her on the other leaf of the same table still lay the cloth folded back upon itself and set out with one plate and its usual accompaniments sit down pierre when i came home i was surprised to hear that the phaeton had returned so early and here i waited dinner for you until i could wait no more but go to the green pantry now and get what dates has but just put away for you there heigh-ho too plainly i foresee it no more regular dinner hours or tea hours or supper hours in saddle meadows till its young lord is wedded and that puts me in mind of something pierre but i'll defer it till you have eaten a little do you know pierre that if you continue these irregular meals of yours and deprive me so entirely almost of your company that i shall run fearful risk of getting to be a terrible wine-bibber yes could you unalarmed see me sitting all alone here with this decanter like any old nurse pierre some solitary forlorn old nurse pierre deserted by her last friend and therefore forced to embrace her flask no i did not feel any great alarm sister said pierre smiling since i could not but perceive 
that the decanter was still full to the stopple possibly it may be only a fresh decanter pierre then changing her voice suddenly but mark me mr pierre glendinning well mrs mary glendinning do you know sir that you are very shortly to be married that indeed the day is all but fixed how cried pierre in real joyful astonishment both at the nature of the tidings and the earnest tones in which they were conveyed dear dear mother you have strangely changed your mind then my dear mother it is even so dear brother before this day month i hope to have a little sister tartan you talk very strangely mother rejoined pierre quickly i suppose then i have next to nothing to say in the matter next to nothing pierre what indeed could you say to the purpose what at all have you to do with it i should like to know do you so much as dream you silly boy that men are ever have the marrying of themselves juxtaposition marries men there is but one matchmaker in the world pierre and that is mrs juxtaposition a most notorious lady very peculiar disenchanting sort of talk this under the circumstances sister mary laying down his fork mrs juxtaposition ah and in your opinion mother does this fine glorious passion only amount to that only to that pierre but mark you according to my creed though this part of it is a little hazy mrs juxtaposition moves her pawns only as she herself is moved to so doing by the spirit ah that sets it all right again said pierre resuming his fork my appetite returns but what was that about my being married so soon he added vainly striving to assume an air of incredulity and unconcern you were joking i suppose it seems to me sister either you or i was but just now wandering in the mind a little on that subject are you really thinking of any such thing and have you really vanquished your sagacious scruples by yourself after i had so long and ineffectually sought to do it for you well i am a million times delighted tell me quick i will pierre you very well know that from the first hour you apprised me or rather from a period prior to that from the moment that i by my own insight became aware of your love for lucy i have always approved it lucy is a delicious girl of honourable descent of fortune well-bred and the very pattern of all that i think amiable and attractive in a girl of seventeen well 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 cried pierre rapidly and impetuously we both knew that before well 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 pierre retorted his mother mockingly it is not well 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 but ill 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 to torture me so mother go on do but notwithstanding my admiring approval of your choice pierre yet as you know i have resisted your entreaties for my consent to your speedy marriage because i thought that a girl of scarcely seventeen and a boy scarcely twenty should not be in such a hurry there was plenty of time i thought which could be profitably employed by both permit me here to interrupt you mother whatever you may have seen in me she i mean lucy has never been in the slightest hurry to be married that's all but i shall regard it as a lapsus lingua in you 
undoubtedly a lapsus but listen to me i have been carefully observing both you and lucy of late and that has made me think further of the matter now pierre if you were in any profession or in any business at all nay if i were a farmer's wife and you my child working in my fields why then you and lucy should still wait a while but as you have nothing to do but to think of lucy by day and dream of her by night and as she is in the same predicament i suppose with respect to you and as the consequence of all this begins to be discernible in a certain just perceptible and quite harmless thinness so to speak of the cheek but a very conspicuous and dangerous febrileness of the eye therefore i choose the lesser of two evils and now you have my permission to be married as soon as the thing can be done with propriety i dare say you have no objection to have the wedding take place before christmas the present month being the first of summer pierre said nothing but leaping to his feet threw his two arms around his mother and kissed her repeatedly a most sweet and eloquent answer pierre but sit down again i desire now to say a little concerning less attractive but quite necessary things connected with this affair you know that by your father's will these lands and miss lucy my mistress said dates throwing open the door pierre sprang to his feet but as if suddenly mindful of his mother's presence composed himself again though he still approached the door lucy entered carrying a little basket of strawberries why how do you do my dear said mrs glendinning affectionately this is an unexpected pleasure yes and i suppose that pierre here is a little surprised too seeing that he was to call upon me this evening and not i upon him before sundown but i took a sudden fancy for a solitary stroll the afternoon was such a delicious one and chancing it was only chancing to pass through the locust lane leading hither i met the strangest little fellow with this basket in his hand yes buy them miss said he and how do you know i want to buy them returned i i don't want to buy them yes you do miss they ought to be twenty-six cents but i'll take thirteen cents that being my shilling i always want the odd half-cent i do come i can't wait i have been expecting you long enough a very sagacious little imp laughed mrs glendinning impertinent little rascal cried pierre and am i not now the silliest of all silly girls to be telling you my adventures so very frankly smiled lucy no but the most celestial of all innocents cried pierre in a rhapsody of delight frankly open is the flower that hath nothing but purity to show now my dear little lucy said mrs glendinning let pierre take off your shawl and come now and stay to tea with us pierre has put back the dinner so the tea-hour will come now very soon thank you but i cannot stay this time look i have forgotten my own errand i brought these strawberries for you mrs glendinning and for pierre pierre is so wonderfully fond of them i was audacious enough to think as much cried pierre for you and me you see mother for you and me you understand that i hope perfectly my dear brother lucy blushed how warm it is mrs glendinning very warm lucy so you won't stay to tea no i must go now just a little stroll that's all good-bye now don't be following me pierre mrs glendinning will you keep pierre back 
i know you want him you were talking over some private affair when i entered you both look so very confidential and you were not very far from right lucy said mrs glendinning making no sign to stay her departure yes business of the highest importance said pierre fixing his eyes upon lucy significantly at this moment lucy just upon the point of her departure was hovering near the door the setting sun streaming through the window bathed her whole form in golden loveliness and light that wonderful and most vivid transparency of her clear welsh complexion now fairly glowed like rosy snow her flowing white blue ribboned dress fleecily invested her pierre almost thought that she could only depart the house by floating out of the open window instead of actually stepping from the door all her aspect to him was that moment touched with an indescribable gaiety buoyancy fragility and an unearthly evanescence youth is no philosopher not into young pierre's heart did there then come the thought that as the glory of the rose endures but for a day so the full bloom of girlish airiness and bewitchingness passes from the earth almost as soon as jealousy absorbed by those frugal elements which again incorporate that translated girlish bloom into the first expanding flower-bud not into young pierre did there then steal that thought of utmost sadness pondering on the inevitable evanescence of all earthly loveliness which makes the sweetest things of life only food for ever devouring and omnivorous melancholy pierre's thought was different from this and yet somehow akin to it this to be my wife i that but the other day weighed an hundred and fifty pounds of solid avoirdupois i to wed this heavenly fleece methinks one husbandly embrace would break her airy zone and she exhale upward to that heaven whence she hath hither come condensed to mortal sight it cannot be i am of heavy earth and she of airy light by heaven but marriage is an impious thing meanwhile as these things ran through his soul mrs glendinning also had thinkings of her own a very beautiful tableau she cried at last artistically turning her gay head a little sideways very beautiful indeed this i suppose is all premeditated for my entertainment orpheus finding his eurydice or pluto stealing proserpine admirable it might almost stand for either no said pierre gravely it is the last now first i see a meaning there yes he added to himself inwardly i am pluto stealing proserpine and every accepted lover is and you would be very stupid brother pierre if you did not see something there said his mother still that way pursuing her own different train of thought the meaning thereof is this lucy has commanded me to stay you but in reality she wants you to go along with her well you may go as far as the porch but then you must return for we have not concluded our little affair you know adieu little lady there was ever a slight degree of affectionate patronizing in the manner of the resplendent full-blown mrs glendinning toward the delicate and shrinking girlhood of young lucy 
she treated her very much as she might have treated some surpassingly beautiful and precocious child and this was precisely what lucy was looking beyond the present period mrs glendinning could not but perceive that even in lucy's womanly maturity lucy would still be a child to her because she elated felt that in a certain intellectual vigour so to speak she was the essential opposite of lucy whose sympathetic mind and person had both been cast in one mould of wondrous delicacy but here mrs glendinning was both right and wrong so far as she here saw a difference between herself and lucy tartan she did not err but so far and that was very far as she thought she saw her innate superiority to her in the absolute scale of being here she very widely and immeasurably erred for what may be artistically styled angelicalness this is the highest essence compatible with created being and angelicalness hath no vulgar vigour in it and that thing which very often prompts to the display of any vigour which thing in man or woman is at bottom nothing but ambition this quality is purely earthly and not angelical it is false that any angels fell by reason of ambition angels never fall and never feel ambition therefore benevolently and affectionately and all sincerely as thy heart o mrs glendinning now standest affected toward the fleecy lucy still lady thou dost very sadly mistake it when the proud double arches of the bright breastplate of thy bosom expand with secret triumph over one whom thou so sweetly but still so patronizingly stylest the little lucy but ignorant of these further insights that very superb-looking lady now waiting pierre's return from the portico door sat in a very matronly reverie her eyes fixed upon the decanter of amber-hued wine before her whether it was that she somehow saw some lurking analogical similitude between that remarkably slender and gracefully cut little pint decanter brimful of light golden wine or not there is no absolute telling now but really the peculiarly and reminiscently and forecastingly complacent expression of her beaming and benevolent countenance seemed a tell-tale of some conceit very much like the following yes she's a very pretty little pint decanter of a girl a very pretty little pale sherry pint decanter of a girl and i i am a quart decanter of of port potent port now sherry for boys and port for men so i've heard men say and pierre is but a boy but when his father wedded me why his father was turned of five-and-thirty years after a little further waiting for him mrs glendinning heard pierre's voice yes before eight o'clock at least lucy no fear and then the hall door banged and pierre returned to her but now she found that this unforeseen visit of lucy had completely routed all business capacity in her mercurial son barely capsizing him again into there was no telling what sea of pleasant pensiveness dear me some other time sister mary not this time that is very certain pierre upon my word i shall have to get lucy kidnapped and temporarily taken out of the country and you handcuffed to the table else there will be no having a preliminary understanding with you previous to calling in the lawyers well i shall yet manage you one way or other 
good-bye pierre i see you don't want me now i suppose i shan't see you till to-morrow morning luckily i have a very interesting book to read adieu but pierre remained in his chair his gaze fixed upon the stilly sunset beyond the meadows and far away to the now golden hills a glorious softly glorious and most gracious evening which seemed plainly a tongue to all humanity saying i go down in beauty to rise in joy love reigns throughout all worlds that sunsets visit it is a foolish ghost story there is no such thing as misery would love which is omnipotent have misery in his domain would the god of sunlight decree gloom it is a flawless speckless fleckless beautiful world throughout joy now and joy for ever then the face which before had seemed mournfully and reproachfully looking out upon him from the effulgent sunset's heart the face slid from him and left alone there with his soul's joy thinking that that very night he would utter the magic word of marriage to his lucy not a happier youth than pierre glendinning sat watching that day's sun go down chapter four after this morning of gaiety this noon of tragedy and this evening so full of chequered pensiveness pierre now possessed his soul in joyful mildness and steadfastness feeling none of that wild anguish of anticipative rapture which in weaker minds too often dislodges love's sweet bird from her nest the early night was warm but dark for the moon was not risen yet and as pierre passed on beneath the pendulous canopies of the long arms of the weeping elms of the village an almost impenetrable blackness surrounded him but entered not the gently illuminated halls of his heart he had not gone very far when in the distance beyond he noticed a light moving along the opposite side of the road and slowly approaching as it was the custom for some of the more elderly and perhaps timid inhabitants of the village to carry a lantern when going abroad of so dark a night this object conveyed no impression of novelty to pierre still as it silently drew nearer and nearer the one only distinguishable thing before him he somehow felt a nameless presentiment that the light must be seeking him he had nearly gained the cottage door when the lantern crossed over toward him and as his nimble hand was laid at last upon the little wicket gate which he thought was now to admit him to so much delight a heavy hand was laid upon himself and at the same moment the lantern was lifted toward his face by a hooded and obscure-looking figure whose half-averted countenance he could but indistinctly discern but pierre's own open aspect seemed to have been quickly scrutinized by the other i have a letter for pierre glendinning said the stranger and i believe this is he at the same moment a letter was drawn forth and sought his hand for me exclaimed pierre faintly starting at the strangeness of the encounter methinks this is an odd time and place to deliver your mail who are you stay but without waiting an answer the messenger had already turned about and was recrossing the road in the first impulse of the moment pierre stepped forward and would have pursued him but smiling at his own causeless curiosity and trepidation paused again and softly turned over the letter in his hand what mysterious correspondent is this thought he circularly moving his thumb upon the seal no one writes me but from abroad and their letters come through the office and as for lucy pooh when she herself is within she would hardly have her notes delivered at her own gate strange but i'll in and read it no not that i come to read again 
in her own sweet heart that dear missive to me from heaven and this impertinent letter would preoccupy me i'll wait till i go home he entered the gate and laid his hand upon the cottage knocker its sudden coolness caused a slight and at any other time an unaccountable sympathetic sensation in his hand to his unwonted mood the knocker seemed to say enter not begone and first read thy note yielding now half alarmed and half bantering with himself to these shadowy interior monitions he half unconsciously quitted the door repassed the gate and soon found himself retracing his homeward path he equivocated with himself no more the gloom of the air had now burst into his heart and extinguished its light then first in all his life pierre felt the irresistible admonitions and intuitions of fate he entered the hall unnoticed passed up to his chamber and hurriedly locking the door in the dark lit his lamp as the summoned flame illuminated the room pierre standing before the round centre-table where the lamp was placed with his hand yet on the brass circle which regulated the wick started at a figure in the opposite mirror it bore the outline of pierre but now strangely filled with features transformed and unfamiliar to him feverish eagerness fear and nameless forebodings of ill he threw himself into a chair and for a time vainly struggled with the incomprehensible power that possessed him then as he avertedly drew the letter from his bosom he whispered to himself out on thee pierre how sheepish now will ye feel when this tremendous note will turn out to be an invitation to a supper to-morrow night quick fool and write the stereotyped reply mr pierre glendinning will be very happy to accept miss so-and-so's polite invitation still for the moment he held the letter averted the messenger had so hurriedly accosted him and delivered his duty that pierre had not yet so much as gained one glance at the superscription of the note and now the wild thought passed through his mind of what would be the result should he deliberately destroy the note without so much as looking at the hand that had addressed it hardly had this half-crazy conceit fully made itself legible in his soul when he was conscious of his two hands meeting in the middle of the sundered note he leaped from his chair by heaven he murmured unspeakably shocked at the intensity of that mood which had caused him unwittingly as it were to do for the first time in his whole life an act of which he was privately ashamed though the mood that was on him was none of his own wilful seeking yet now he swiftly felt conscious that he had perhaps a little encouraged it through that certain strange infatuation of fondness which the human mind however vigorous sometimes feels for any emotion at once novel and mystical not willingly at such times never mind how fearful we may be do we try to dissolve the spell which seems for the time to admit us all astonished into the vague vestibule of the spiritual worlds pierre now seemed distinctly to feel two antagonistic agencies within him one of which was just struggling into consciousness and each of which was striving for the mastery and between whose respective final ascendancies he thought he could perceive though but shadowly that he himself was to be the only umpire one bade him finish the selfish destruction of the note for in some dark way the reading of it would irretrievably entangle his fate the other bade him dismiss all misgivings not because there was no possible ground for them but because to dismiss them was the manlier part never mind what might betide this good angel seemed mildly to say read pierre though by reading thou mayest entangle thyself yet mayest thou thereby disentangle others 
read and feel that best blessedness which with the sense of all duties discharged holds happiness indifferent the bad angel insinuatingly breathe read it not dearest pierre but destroy it and be happy then at the blast of his noble heart the bad angel shrunk up into nothingness and the good one defined itself clearer and more clear and came nigher and more nigh to him smiling sadly but benignantly while forth from the infinite distances wonderful harmony stole into his heart so that every vein in him pulsed to some heavenly swell chapter five the name at the end of this letter will be wholly strange to thee hitherto my existence has been utterly unknown to thee this letter will touch thee and pain thee willingly would i spare thee but i cannot my heart bears me witness that did i think that the suffering these lines would give thee would in the faintest degree compare with what mine has been i would for ever withhold them pierre glendinning thou art not the only child of thy father in the eye of the sun the hand that traces this is thy sister's yes pierre isabel calls thee her brother her brother o oh, sweetest of words which so often i have thought to myself and almost deemed it profanity for an outcast like me to speak or think dearest pierre my brother my own father's child art thou an angel that thou canst overleap all the heartless usages and fashions of a banded world that will call thee fool 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 and curse thee if thou yieldest to that heavenly impulse which alone can lead thee to respond to the long tyrannizing and now at last unquenchable yearnings of my bursting heart o oh, my brother but pierre glendinning i will be proud with thee let not my hapless condition extinguish in me the nobleness which i equally inherit with thee thou shalt not be cozened by my tears and my anguish into anything which thy most sober hour will repent read no further if it suit thee burn this letter so shalt thou escape the certainty of that knowledge which if thou art now cold and selfish may hereafter in some maturer remorseful and helpless hour cause thee a poignant upbraiding no i shall not i will not implore thee o oh, my brother my dear dear pierre help me fly to me see i perish without thee pity pity here i freeze in the wide wide world no father no mother no sister no brother no living thing in the fair form of humanity that holds me dear no more oh no more dear pierre can i endure to be an outcast in the world for which the dear saviour died fly to me pierre nay i could tear what i now write as i have torn so many other sheets all written for thy eye but which never reached thee because in my distraction i knew not how to write to thee nor what to say to thee and so behold again how i rave nothing more i will write no more silence becomes this grave the heart sickness steals over me pierre my brother scarce know i what i have written yet will i write thee the fatal line and leave all the rest to thee pierre my brother she that is called isabel banford dwells in the little red farmhouse three miles from the village on the slope toward the lake to-morrow nightfall not before not by day not by day pierre thy sister isabel chapter six this letter inscribed in a feminine but irregular hand and in some places almost illegible plainly attesting the state of the mind which had dictated it stained too here and there with spots of tears which chemically acted upon by the ink assumed a strange and reddish hue as if blood and not tears had dropped upon the sheet and so completely torn in two by pierre's own hand that it indeed seemed the fit scroll of a torn as well as bleeding heart 
this amazing letter deprived pierre for the time of all lucid and definite thought or feeling he hung half lifeless in his chair his hand clutching the letter was pressed against his heart as if some assassin had stabbed him and fled and pierre was now holding the dagger in the wound to stanch the outgushing of the blood ay pierre now indeed art thou hurt with a wound never to be completely healed but in heaven for thee the before undistrusted moral beauty of the world is for ever fled for thee thy sacred father is no more a saint all brightness hath gone from thy hills and all peace from thy plains and now now for the first time pierre truth rolls a black billow through thy soul ah miserable thou to whom truth in her first tides bears nothing but wrecks the perceptible forms of things the shapes of thoughts the pulses of life but slowly came back to pierre and as the mariner shipwrecked and cast on the beach has much ado to escape the recoil of the wave that hurled him there so pierre long struggled and struggled to escape the recoil of that anguish which had dashed him out of itself upon the beach of his swoon but man was not made to succumb to the villain woe youth is not young and a wrestler in vain pierre staggeringly rose to his feet his wide eyes fixed and his whole form in a tremble myself am left at least he slowly and half chokingly murmured with myself i front thee unhand me all fears and unlock me all spells henceforth i will know nothing but truth glad truth or sad truth i will know what is and do what my deepest angel dictates the letter isabel sister brother me me my sacred father this is some accursed dream nay but this paper thing is forged a base and malicious forgery i swear well didst thou hide thy face from me thou vile lantern messenger that didst accost me on the threshold of joy with this lying warrant of woe doth truth come in the dark and steal on us and rob us so and then depart deaf to all pursuing invocations if this night which now wraps my soul be genuine as that which now wraps this half of the world then fate i have a choice quarrel with thee thou art a palterer and a cheat thou hast lured me on through gay gardens to a gulf o oh, falsely guided in the days of my joy am i now truly led in this night of my grief i will be a raver and none shall stay me i will lift my hand in fury for am i not struck i will be bitter in my breath for is not this cup of gall thou black knight that with visor down thus confrontest me and mockest at me lo i strike through thy helm and will see thy face be it gorgon let me go ye fond affections all piety leave me i will be impious for piety hath juggled me and taught me to revere where i should spurn from all idols i tear all veils henceforth i will see the hidden things and live right out in my own hidden life now i feel that nothing but truth can move me so this letter is not a forgery o oh, isabel thou art my sister and i will love thee and protect thee i and own thee through all ah forgive me ye heavens for my ignorant ravings and accept this my vow here i swear myself isabel's o oh, thou poor castaway girl that in loneliness and anguish must have long breathed that same air which i have only inhaled for delight thou who must even now be weeping and weeping cast into an ocean of uncertainty as to thy fate which heaven hath placed in my hands sweet isabel would i not be baser than brass and harder and colder than ice if i could be insensible to such claims as thine thou movest before me in rainbows spun of thy tears i see thee long weeping and god demands me for thy comforter and comfort thee stand by thee and fight for thee will thy leapingly acknowledging brother whom thy own father named pierre 
he could not stay in his chamber the house contracted to a nutshell around him the walls smote his forehead bareheaded he rushed from the place and only in the infinite air found scope for that boundless expansion of his life end of book three part two